Hello, it's Caitlin. And Caitlin. With Crime 365, the podcast where we cover a different kind of crime each month of the year. For the month of September, we are focusing on child cases. Today specifically, we are diving in on the case of Faye Swetlick, a bubbly bright six-year-old from Casey, South Carolina. So we're going to start off with a timeline. I'm just going to go through the timeline because this took place over a period of like three to four days mm-hmm. from like a Monday to a Friday. And I found this from Watch Fox 57, their website, but I also... You can also find it. There's um, a lot of other Plenty news. other places. Yeah. yeah. So this should be credible. This all started on 3.45 p.m. where Selena Collins, who was Faye's mother, she saw her daughter playing on the front porch outside their townhouse, which is 16 Londonderry Square. But at this time, a neighbor saw Faye playing around the town homes and running towards a shared fence with the NAPA auto parts sometime between 3.30 and 4. So basically, this is like, this is a Monday right after school. So yes. she would have like just gotten off the bus, heading home, but she's still a kid, so she's probably like outside playing around a lot. Yeah. But then around 4.15 p.m., Collins calls her boyfriend, who is Carter Arkind, to tell him that she cannot find Faye. Arkin, who is on his way home, tells her to begin searching for her. So, the mom of this child, who's not, can't find her, calls the boyfriend before, like, the police? Yeah, that seems a bit, it sounds odd, but I feel like she also, you never really think, hey, my child was kidnapped. True. And missing, she probably just thought she just ran off, and she was playing at another neighbor's house, but at the same time, she was probably worried, like, I don't hear my daughter. I can't see her. Okay. I'm going to call the person who probably know what to do. Mm-hmm. Type of vibes. About five minutes later, Collins, she asked neighbors and friends to help search for Faye. About at 4.40 p.m., so another 20 minutes later, Arkand, the boyfriend, arrives at 16 Londonderry Square. And after he's informed that no one can find Faye, he tells Selena to call 911. So we are already almost an hour uh, yeah, about an hour in to this whole thing, and they just now called 911. Yeah, I mean, it seems suspicious. Yeah. It seems weird, but I feel like this was a neighborhood with a lot of kids. And True, yeah. A lot, they seemed close, so maybe they were just hoping she was at another person's house, and mm-hmm. she was also probably panicking. Seems like her only child. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what to do. You don't want to be like, hey, my kid's missing. Oh, never mind. She was just down the road type of vibes. Okay. She doesn't want to seem weird, but at 4.55 p.m., Collins calls 911. All right, so about 5 p.m., first responding officers arrive at the scene and begin searching for Faye, but they later have to call for backup. So this is five minutes after Collins calls 911. That's that's pretty fast. They're they're already calling for backup. They're already calling for backup. That's that's never good. Mm Mm-mm. But, so about 5.30 p.m., investigator William Duggle from the KC Department of Safety arrives at the scene. So, 
So about 5.30, 30 minutes after calling for backup, investigator William Duggle from the KC Department of Safety arrives at the scene. A search is ordered and the search area is expanded. Canine units, firefighters, and the helicopter are brought in to search for Faye. So this is this is a big yeah, deal. Yeah, no, this is like massive search for this little girl. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'd just like to point out, um, this is one of the largest searches in South Carolina history. Yep. Um, I remember hearing about this when I was in school. This was like, what, two, two years a, ago? Well, a year, a year ago. ago, actually. A year ago, yeah. Feels like two years ago. I know, uh-huh. Um, but it was a big deal. It was yeah. across all the news. Oh, yeah, for sure. So at 6 o'clock that evening, KCDPS Director Byron Snellgrove asked the FBI to help in the search. The Columbia Field Office agents arrived immediately afterwards. Investigators begin initial interviews with neighbors. So they're calling in the FBI. They have everybody. So right this now. is like not even three hours later, they're calling in the FBI. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure on the time, but we know it's sometime after six, so like between six and 6.30. Chad Swetlick, who is Faye's father, who doesn't live with their mom, they're separated, is informed that Faye is missing. He had been living up in Rowan County, North Carolina, at the time of this disappearance, and FBI agents go to his house and search it, but they find no evidence. Phone records later prove that Swetlick was at home the time that Faye went missing. So, almost two, two and a half hours after police are called, and like, they just now told the father? Yeah, it... It seems pretty delayed, in my opinion. You would think they would that he would be one of the first to call. Yeah, because, like, I mean, if I were mother, which I am not nowhere close to no. becoming a mother, like, the father, like, if I was separated, the father would be, like, the first person that I would, like, contact. Like, hey, you don't have her. Yeah, like, he, do I feel you? like before this massive search would go out, you would call him up and be, like, did and, you, like, pick her up from yeah, school. Like, anything happened. Yeah, and I don't know how close Rowan County is to North Carolina, but North Carolina and South Carolina are on the border of each other. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, 30, 45 minutes, I think you could get You could get pretty, between. pretty far with that. But I guess they didn't feel like it was needed or they just didn't think about it. Yeah. But. That's a little weird. It is, but he was proven to not be involved. Yeah, okay. Which is. Good for him, I guess, but bad that they don't know where Faye is. Mm -hmm. So at 6.30 p.m., the home of Faye is established as a crime scene, and officers begin to process the scene by taking pictures and searching the home for evidence. According to KCDPS officials, no evidence was found. Both Collins and Arcand are interviewed separately by both an investigator and an FBI agent. They're just now establishing that this is a crime scene. Um, that's a little different. Three hours later. I guess they were searching a little bit just so they could see that they, like, she wasn't just anywhere, like, in the neighborhoods. I mean, I guess the timeline makes a little bit sense, um, just because it does take a minute, and they just want to make sure she wasn't, like, just running around yeah, somewhere. I guess so. It just, I feel like even if it, if it was a crime scene, it would have, I mean, the amount of people that have to be going in and out of the house. Yeah. I it, feel, like, I feel it, like there was, it would be compromised already. So around midnight and like in the early, early, early hours of February 11th, Selena Collins, Carter Arkin, and Selena's mother, so like Faye's grandma, give voluntary written statements and allow officers to take their phones for forensic exams. No evidence was found from that. Then Collins and Arkin are taken to a hotel due to their home being established as a crime scene. 
So they're being looked into as like suspects. Um, yeah. I mean, you always gotta look into the parents. The parent. Anyone. No close. matter how hard it is, those are like the, always the first ones you yeah. need to look at. I don't. Same thing. It's like if like an adult is killed, you look into like their spouse. You look into like yeah. their kids. Anyone close. To anyone them, close to them. That's the easiest to tie to. Pretty much. I don't know if it's just a thought in my brain, but did they like? go to sleep <laughs> i oh i don't think they slept would not be like why would they be needed to take to it take into a hotel well i think there's just they can't really stay at the police station all night they don't have like they can't go back to their house they probably hope they would get some sleep but i know if i was a mom i, I you wouldn't could be sleeping not no i would not be sleeping for sure Mm-mm. so in the early morning so not midnight not like sunrise in that like between seven eight ish on between tuesday that period a command post is established and a hotline is set up and given to the public. Officers begin to canvass the area and interview drivers coming in and out of the Churchill Heights neighborhood, which is where Faye lived. Mm-hmm. Video footage is taken from businesses and residences in the area. Trash from the neighborhood is ordered to be quarantined and searched, but no evidence is found. See, now this is funny. I won't spoil it yet, but trash like the trash cans not that they have but the trash can afterwards yeah plays a very important role in the evidence it does later not it's yet it says no evidence is found in yet. those trash cans in those trash cans <laughs> at that moment in time. <laughs> uh-huh. so anyways in the morning so that would after the sun has risen i would assume collins and arcan are interviewed again officers say there was no, not enough evidence found to exclude the pair from being involved in Faye's disappearance. So, they're basically saying, we don't think you did it, but we can't say, say that, you did it. Yeah, say that you weren't involved Because there's somehow. just not enough evidence in mm-hmm. general. They're kind of neutral right now. Yeah, but here's an odd thing. In her interview, investigators say that Collins made unusual statements saying that she could lead law enforcement to Faye's location using her mother's intuition. That's weird. You know, if if <laughs> yeah. you were saying if you were gonna say that she was guilty, that, that would that, that would back up that she's a, uh-huh. she sounds guilty saying that. If if she did somehow lead them to Faye's body, that would that been, that, that would have been, been weird. Like you know, really good evidence. I believe in trusting your intuition. Uh huh. It's very important, especially with everything going on nowadays in the world. But. Mother's intuition, knowing where your child... How do you know she's dead at this point? Yeah, I... Is she inclining that she's dead? Like, is she saying, I know where my dead daughter is being... Is buried right She just said, like, Faye's location, so... So maybe she... I don't know. I don't know. I think she was very sleep-deprived and didn't really know what she was talking about. I sure hope so. (laughs) I... Yeah, weird. Anyways, we're gonna move on to Wednesday now. This is February 12th. So in that morning, Collins... And two FBI agents go into the Six Mile Creek area, which is less than a mile where Faye's body will later be found, which is kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. A search, a search of the area found no evidence of Faye. So they actually listened to what she said yes. of her mother's tuition, and were like, "Sure, we'll follow you out into the woods because you have this mother's tuition." That's weird to me. They're like, "Um, you might be a suspect. Let's." Let's let you loose a little bit and see I mean, if you manage to do I that. I can see why they would. I mean, if they're they're looking for evidence, and I guess they're at this point they're grasping for straws, and they're mm-hmm. kind of like, if maybe if she did this, maybe she'll just lead them to it, which 
you wouldn't as a killer, but you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, but it's really, really spooky that this where she led them was about a mile from where yeah. Faye's body was found, literally like the day after. Yeah, and it's also to be noted that this area that Collins led the agents to was previously previously searched on that Thursday, but nothing was found. Yeah, so it was already searched like as a place that it could yeah. be. And they and then she led them back there. So I again. feel like these agents were kind of just like they were kind of just giving it to her. They're kind of like, yeah. okay, fine, we'll we'll just see. We'll what you go got. and visit where you think she's buried, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't think I don't truly believe they believe that she was there. Mm-hmm. So sometime before eleven. So this is after they went out and searched for Faye with the mom. Investigators searched Colin's house. So. The mom's house. The mom's house. Faye's mom's house. But I feel like they already... But didn't they already search it because this was, like, made as a crime scene? Yeah, that's what kind of gets night me. Because, like, it says that they searched it on Monday and no evidence was found. Yeah, because they had been in a hotel for the past two mm-hmm. nights. But now, after a little bit of time, they found stuff? They, yeah, they find blood on a pillowcase. But the blood was later determined to be from Arkind, the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And so Collins came up and said that the blood was from an open sore on Arkind's face, which is understandable. I mean, yeah, people cut whatever. People cut their own stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think everyone's picturing like a huge pile of blood right now. But I'm, I would, I, guess, I think it's just a tiny little and droplet, little spot, which yeah. would be hard to like see in like which an would, inis- would, initial search. initial search. They're not really looking for like. Yeah, like tea. They're just looking for, like, I guess, big blood spots and, mm-hmm. like, any, like, hair or anything like that. The cars were also searched of both Arkin and Collins, and blood was actually found in Collins' car. But it was ultimately determined to be Arkin's and Collins. See, what? I don't understand what that means. I feel like it could could have been, like, um, established with, like, DNA, because I know that is possible to, like... Um, tie blood samples to, like, people. Um, yeah. But, like, if it was, like, just, like, the blood type, which I hear a lot about, like, matching blood types to, like, certain victims or, like, a pool of suspects. I mean, if it was the same blood type, you can have the same blood type as your parents. <laughs> like, that's a yeah. thing. I don't know. So maybe in this case, they she doesn't have the same blood type as her mother. Maybe she has the same blood type as her father. Mm. And I don't know. Either way, it was they, it was not hers. It was, they yeah. determined that this is not Faye's blood. Faye was not dead. They, Faye was not in this car bleeding out. Yeah. Basically. So after 11, at 11.15, investors, in, in, oh, investors, my bad, <laughs> investigators interview a man at Piccadilly Square. I love that. I love Piccadilly Square. <laughs> it's a fun name. It's just so much fun. Piccadilly Square. But they interviewed this guy who lives in Piccadilly Square, and he says that he lives with his roommate named Cody Taylor. Um, just for reference, um, Piccadilly Square is like a street over yeah. from where... It's in this like same neighborhood, pretty much. It's just like... A group of like sub... It's like a subdivision, group yeah. of a couple of subdivisions. It's literally like... If you look at a picture, I'm sure if you look up, like, face what, like, neighborhood on in the internet, it's, like, three houses yes, away three across houses the street. three houses over. For, like, like 200 context, feet. <laughs> if that, honestly. 
So the roommate says that he was at work on February 10th during the time that Faye went missing. Both of the roommates, they happen to work at Wingstop on Dreyer Road. That means nothing to me and Caitlin, but if you live in near Casey, South Carolina, maybe that means something to you. They worked at Wingstop. I don't know. But, and records show that the roommate was indeed at work at the time of Faye's disappearance, but his roommate, Taylor, was not at work at that time. Huh. That's a little, that's a little suspicious. Keep that in <laughs> mind. Keep that in mind. Just also to add to that, investigators noted that a bag, like a laundry basket, laundry bag, seemed full. They took a DNA sample from it, but they didn't ex- inspect it any further. See, now this, this is what gets me. A little bit later, like after they find Faye's body or whatever, they go back and search this house again. And the bag is empty. Yep. And both Faye and Cody Taylor's DNA was found in it. Tell me how, like, professional investigators, the FBI noted a laundry bag as, like, a possible piece of evidence that it had... Um, Faye's DNA in it, but did it do anything? That gets me. Well, okay. Here's the thing. It is a laundry basket of clothes. They're probably just thinking there's clothes in it. Because I feel like if I looked at this laundry basket, my first thought wouldn't be there's a person in it. It would be... See, what if there was... Because how did her DNA get in there? I swear... That, <laughs> I do not like that at all. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll touch on that a, a little bit later. First search happened at 11.15 with just the na- with just um, the roommate. Mm-hmm. Cody Taylor wasn't at home at this time. So investigators came back later that evening at 5.45 to do another interview. But this time with the roommate and Taylor. And Cody, yeah. Yeah, they were both at home at this point. Um, another consensual search is done. No evidence is found. Um, they, like, asked Taylor, like, where were you that day? Where were you mm-hmm. at the time that Faye went missing? Because it shows you weren't at work. And Taylor was like, oh, I was just at home sleeping. I, yeah, I was at home sleeping. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, not a strong alibi. No one really can back you up. Hey, I was sleeping. Who's going to back you up for that? Yeah. But, obviously... They interviewed everyone in this neighborhood and everyone in the surrounding neighborhood because they're just trying to get information. They want to find out where Faye is. But for some reason, and I don't know if they did this with other people or not, but they came back to these two, this this house. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a little suspicious that they, they decided to come back. All right, so now we're on to Thursday, February 13th, 2020. The, the day. The dreaded day. The dreaded day where everything came together. Uh. So this kind of... This doesn't really have a time period. This kind of just happened all day. That um, roll carts, which they called them roll carts, but they're just trash cans, pretty much. Like, those big bins. Uh-huh. You see trash, it, like... Trash bins. Yeah, so not, like, your neighborhood ones, kind of, like, big apartment ones. Where the, like, like, the, the ones you ones. see, like... <laughs> oh, I'm attacking you guys on my bed. Uh, the ones you see, like, outside restaurants. Yeah, yeah, like, those types of trash cans. Mm-hmm. They, from the Churchill Heights neighborhood, so I keep hitting you guys, I'm so sorry. They're inspected. So, and they had been doing that all week, and they've been doing it, like, every day. They've been inspecting these trash cans just in case. But on this specific day, investigators find a polka dot rain boot in a ladle with freshly dug dirt on it. See, now this is where we, this is where we bring up 
what, we, what I said earlier about the trash cans. Yeah. They had all been like quarantined, as they said, like the day that she went the missing. The day that this happened, but nothing came. Nothing from was that. found. But now we're finding it. This is this is what two, three whole days later. Yeah, this is on Thursday, and this happened Monday. But it's a few days. Something special about the polka dotted rain boot was it is a boot that matches the ones that Colin described Faye wearing on the day she disappeared. See, that is just I. That is so disgusting. Yeah, because if you like look at a picture, because I know there's a few pictures of online of like the rain boot in the trash can. It it is very clearly a little girl's. No, it's obviously a child. Like it's like outlined in pink yep. it has all the little girly colors on it pink and purple and just seeing it in a trash can like just one not both of them just one just one and is absolutely heartbreaking next to a ladle which if y'all don't know what a ladle is it's basically like this big old like it's like a spoon thing. it's, like a, <laughs> it's a big spoon if you ever watch like movies like like high school movies with the cafeteria lady they have this big old spoon that just plops stuff down yeah that's what it is that's a ladle but it had freshly dug dirt in it that's okay so just picture someone digging a hole that's really strange with a that's ladle. a really strange thing to picture but like a really giant spoon but not like a shovel no 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 not a shovel this is like a it's just spoon. This is like something that someone just picks up because it's what they have. What they available. had available in their house. So, I hate that so much. So we're gonna bring up our, our friend, Director Snellgrove. I'm sure y'all remember him. So he saw what was in the trash can and he thought he just was like inclined to go search the woods again. He was like, There this There's is something. Not right. There's yeah. something going on. So he searches the woods in the surrounding area and he finds a child's body, partially buried with fresh soil and a polka-dotted rain boot matching the one found oh in the trash can. I cannot. That would be awful. heartbreaking. That's awful. I mean, they see this boot, and he, I mean, he he's, must have known. He's, he's like, like, this is this is Faye's boot. Yeah. He must, I mean, obviously at that time they they didn't know, but he had it, this feeling. It, I mean, it was, it was not proven to be hers, but everyone knew. Yeah, at this point, like, everyone was that like, that is, this has to be That hers. is her boot. And, like, I don't know if we have this written anywhere, but this, where, where she was found was, like, 300 yards from her house mm-hmm. and, like, and um, Cody Taylor's house yeah. in the woods yep. that they had already searched, like, yep, they had two or three this, times. Yeah, they had searched this prior. But I feel like what like inclined him was the ladle with the freshly dug dirt. Mm-hmm. He must have just been like something in this woods. Yeah. So obviously this happened at 10 a.m. So they found this body. The scene is taped off, and then Lexington, Lex, oh my god, Lexington, Lexington County Coroner Margaret Fisher identifies the child as Faye Sweatlerk. <laughs> Y'all, she identifies the body as Faye Sweatlerk. And she determines, this is where it gets weird, that Faye died around 8 p.m. on February 10th, 2020. So, and if no one, like, if that's not clicking in your brain what that means, it means she went missing on February 10th, that on, Monday. Like, Monday, February 10th, at, like, th- probably, like, 4. Like not even, 4 like, 3.45. Around 4 p.m. And she, it, she, it is said that she was killed at 8 p.m., so four hours after Literally, hold on. They were, what were they doing at that time? They were, like, being, like, interviewed. They were, they were being interviewed as their daughter was being murdered. 
but her but she wasn't found until four days later. Four entire days later, and she wasn't in the woods. Nope, she the was whole not, time. There was no way she was in the woods because they would have found her. Because yeah. I mean, she. I mean, uh, the director Snowgrove found her. I mean, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. She. It, it was. She, she wasn't, wasn't even wasn't fully like, buried. She wasn't hidden. She was partially buried. So there's no way they would have missed that like two or three times. This she was like just put there. Mm-hmm. So something. This just gets even crazier. Something completely different. Yeah. At 10.15 a.m., so pretty much the same time that Faye's body's being found, the roommate of Cody Taylor arrives home and finds Taylor on the back porch. It says four, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere it was his back porch, surrounded by a pool of blood. The roommate then visibly signs to the officers around the residence that he found his roommate. He didn't even call 911. He was like, there were so many police around like, hey, that he guys. just had to go out his front door and be like, "There's a, I need you. There's a there's dead body someone back dying. here." That's I don't know why that's so crazy to me, but it is. Mm-hmm. Like that's how like puts in the perspective how close and how under the nose this all went from the police. Mm-hmm. That the, there was police just outside their house and they were just able to be like, "Yo, we need police right here." Mm-hmm. So responding officers find Taylor dead with a knife laying nearby. So. What's weird is when, so obviously they, Taylor's dead. Yeah, Cody Taylor. Taylor. Cody Taylor. I was, I was going to say rest in peace, but I don't know. Rest in terror. I hope you rest in uncomfortableness. <laughs> but when Taylor's body is found, investigators search his residence for a third time, and they find the same brand of knife in the kitchen. So obviously he got the knife from his own kitchen. Yeah. He wasn't just murdered. No. This is, helps prove that it was a suicide. And they mm-hmm. also found a Walmart receipt that showed Taylor's purchase of gardening supplies. Which doesn't seem very... Which is like, why would you bring that up, Caitlin? What's the need to bring that up? Oh, oh. <laughs> well, Caitlin, why don't you let um, us know about that one? One of the biggest pieces of evidence that they found were, was um, video footage of Cody Taylor... Getting in, um... Of him walking to Walmart. Yeah, walking to Walmart. He's getting in a car, a lift, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he's walking around parking lots, and he goes to Walmart, and he gets potting soil and dirt. Yep. Which is really kind of strange, because he doesn't really live in a place that he can just have a garden. Yeah, he says, he literally I'm lives. Garden, and garden, but people at Walmart were like, there's no way he was going to garden. He had no idea he, what he was talking about. Yeah, he didn't know what he was talking about. He literally got, like... Soil and dirt that doesn't go together. Yep. Which is really weird to say, but, like, there's actual, like, soil and dirt that don't go together. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you all a little timeline of Cody Taylor's activities on this on this Thursday, more on this Thursday. So he was found dead at 10.15. Yes. There was, so as I mentioned earlier, the NAPA, I'm pretty sure that it was... The NAPA Auto Parts place, yeah, which is so where it just literally backs up the woods the that woods. are behind the and, uh, right around the area where Faye's body was found. There is a camera that points directly at where Faye's body was found, mm-hmm. and at around three-ish that morning, four-ish, so it's dark, like pitch black. There outside. is this flashlight that comes from where Taylor's around where the neighborhood is, where, around Taylor's house, and, and it shows this. Just we can't see this person. You can't see yeah, anything. You can just see his light coming to the area where Faye's body's later found, stays there for a while, and then leaves. And then we get the video footage at around, like, 6-ish. Really, really early in really the morning. Really early in the to morning be going of to him Walmart. walking to Walmart. And then we have video footage of him in Walmart. 
getting like dirt, getting and a dirt, bunch of stuff. supplies, milk. I, he got milk. Checking out, like there's video footage of him checking out. He's wearing a hood. Yeah. Keep that in mind. He's wearing a hood. It gets him getting in a lift. Yeah. <laughs> getting in a lift. <laughs> in a lift. And it shows there's like on news footage. There's uh-huh. his lift car. Yeah, it's, back to it's house. really, really creepy really because creepy. Um, there's a clip where it's like the there's a business across from the neighborhood and you can see like the entrance to the neighborhood and there's like six or seven news, news vans, yeah, vans outside and you can see the lift that Cody Taylor is yep. in. Like, dry, and he's waiting to turn left, mm-hmm. like, into the neighborhood. And it's really creepy because the Lyft driver actually, like, did an interview. And he was, like, he made a comment about how many news people and how it was really sad um, about Faye. But then he also says, I I didn't know Faye. Like, I have no relation to Faye. Yeah, and, and Cody Taylor was, like, oh. And he was, like, really nervous. Yeah, like Very nervous. All right, and so we're going to finish off my little our little timeline here with Friday, February 14th, 2020, Valentine's Day. Mm. Not not a very not, not a very happy day that day for the parents of Faye. But so this kind of just happened, I don't have specific times, but it happened throughout the day that Faye's body is sent to the MUSC in Charleston where an autopsy determines that she was strangled with the trash bag that was found tied around her neck or as I put it, the trash bag. <laughs> The trash bag. The trash bag in the notes. Yeah, when she was found. Cody Taylor's body is also taken to the same place where it's determined that his cause of death was an incised wound to the neck. Fishers determined his death to be a suicide. So basically just got a kitchen knife and was like, um, death. (laughs) I killed a little girl. Meh. Meh. So all of this kind of leads to what, what? part did Cody Taylor have in Faye's death or disappearance and death because I mean at at this moment in time they didn't really have anything that really tied him to Faye um it kind of just really suspicious that he committed suicide literally like 15 minutes after they found Faye what a quinky dink what a quinky dink um so Cody Taylor's suicide really led um police uh to look more into cody mm-hmm. see like why is he why did he do this he i mean it's like he turned himself in yeah really um i mean i'm sure police could have would have narrowed down on him eventually mm-hmm. but it would have taken a lot longer i think yeah. um so basically what led police to like just really zone in on cody so he wasn't really related to the um, Sweatlicks were really friends with them, as far as anyone could see. I mean, they were neighbors, so I'm sure they might have crossed paths. Yeah, they could have like, gone walking and be like, hey. <laughs> but, I mean, nothing on paper or social media, nothing. I mean, Faye was six. Yeah. So I, w- I don't see them being <laughs> super close friends no, with a creepy with guy. 30-year-old. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, Cody Taylor graduated from Bluffton High School. Uh, but he never finished college. Nope. So he went, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly what college he went to, but he did not finish. He dropped out in the middle. Uh, Cody Taylor never had any previous criminal record, so that's probably honestly why he didn't show up on an initial search mm-hmm. of anything. Because, like, why would they look at the guy who hasn't done anything? And it's like you're, even if they got evidence... I mean, his evidence isn't in the system. Yeah. So he doesn't have, like, fingerprints or anything in the system, so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, after taking a closer look at Cody and like his internet history, they really started to see some things that kind of stuck out. Um, online activity showed him as being part of an online group known to hate women and also having other misogynistic views. Ah, uh, yes. The classic woman hater. <laughs> no, that's not a... Gotta t- love him. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, he also claimed or described himself as being an asexual online to his internet friends, and he claimed or described himself as being an incel. Uh-huh. What? What is that? Uh, an incel is a member of an online community of young men, so online men who hate women, who consider themselves unable to attract women sexually, typically associated with views that are hostile towards women and men who are sexually active. So losers. <laughs> so they are basically all the people who can't get it and are very mad at themselves. And everyone else because of that. Yeah, Cody Taylor was not the most attractive of people. I mean, friends um, describe him as being dirty and never neat, ever. Um, And also, all of his um, chat room activity really portrayed him as being really weak and, like, just not, like proud of himself or like um competent at all Mm -hmm. like all the stuff he did with like the incel group the online group about having misogynistic views that just all pointed to him just being not a very stand-up guy not a very good person which really didn't help his case when um, detectives were looking at him. <laughs> no wonder you're 30 and you work at Wild Wings and you don't yeah. No offense if that's you or anything, but... But yeah, it just um, didn't really put him in a good light at all, any of the stuff that he had. Um, also, upon further investigation of his house, his apartment, they found a missing flyer for Faye in his house. Shut up. Shut up, no, no, no. Like, like one of those ones that they were, like, handing out, they went around the neighborhood and was like, have you seen this child? Have you seen this missing kid? In his house. That? That he most likely killed this little girl. That makes my blood boil. Like, looking back, that he, this, she was in his house. Yeah. She was in his house. And it just was like. Oh, I'm missing, missing flyer. I've never seen her. Yeah. I also like to point out um, his roommate, um, Cody Taylor's roommate at the time, after he committed suicide and they, like, found out, or they didn't technically, like, find out that it was Cody because they never got, like, extreme amount of evidence, but um, the roommate had pointed out that he had noticed a weird smell in their apartment several days before. Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of typically something you aren't just, you don't just have as normal, a weird smell. Now, his roommate did, um, kind of assume that Cody was smoking, like, weed or something and was trying to cover it up with air fresheners, because allegedly he did that a lot, hmm. but he did point out that it was a different smell than that, but just kind of assumed, well, I mean, no one knows what dead person smells like. 
No. So I've I heard mean, it smells bad. I would assume, uh, assume it assuming. smells bad. Mm-hmm. And I bet this this roommate is gonna look look a lot in, more into the person that he decides to be a roommate with in the future because yeah, weird smells coming from rooms are not typically normal. No, no, not at all. So with all this evidence that the police now have gathered, they kind of formally made a statement to the public saying like we believe it um, was Cody Taylor. They mm-hmm. can't really charge him with anything because normally when you charge somebody you like charge him for a punishment and he's already dead um but they kind of came out with a formal statement that said all of the evidence points to cody taylor we believe it was cody taylor yeah so the case closed um this past july 2021 um they said that if more evidence was to arise one day that they would consider opening up back up the case and looking into it but they're pretty positive they know they got their killer yeah i don't know who else it would be i mean there was no one else super suspicious that they like saw in the neighborhood no and like he committed suicide he had there was the dna DNA. underneath his fingernails and his laundry basket there was the missing flyer i mean his roommate had the alibi at work so it's kind of like it was him everyone knows it was him. him Yeah. So even to this day, the community of Casey is still absolutely haunted by the death of Faye. Um, police, five police officers of the Casey County Sheriff's Department opted to retire or step down within six months of following her death. Wow, that's crazy. That's that's a lot. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I'm sure this. I mean, sure, you know, like things happen but the death of a child especially that's a lot so like brutal mm-hmm. and just it, i mean it has to affect you really mm-hmm. and those officers who didn't like retire or step down they all were so affected that they went to therapy oh I, yeah so I like mean. even if they didn't like just quit because it hurt, like affected them so bad they still took steps to help themselves because it was just so heavy on everyone and it weighted down on everybody i mean everyone in that community feels mm-hmm. like felt it happen they i'm sure they still feel sadness for um, her and her family her family yeah, her i mean no one deserves to die the way that she did but i mean she was six years old six. she had i mean she had a whole life ahead of her and this 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 awful trash person of a scum person right here just, just took it away from her. For and for what? But literally, and for what? No reason, at all. Because he's a predator and he is an awful person. And I hope you rot. <laughs> and I hope someone comes and steps in your grave repeatedly. A lot, a lot of times. Yes. So to remember this bright, bubbly six-year-old Faye Sweatlick, we're gonna close out with a quote from Public Safety Director Brian Snellgrove. Although the outcome of this case is not what we wanted, I'm at peace that we did absolutely everything we could have done to locate and bring Faye Sweatlick home safely.
Don't forget to check Crime365 out on Twitter, 365Crime. If you have any suggestions for a case or have any feedback at all, just contact us at 3.6.5crime at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening. This has been Caitlin and Caitlin with Crime365. Crime 365.